If you've got a copy of the scriptures, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. And uh, while we are turning there, let me just start with this. Um, I remember the moment when I hit rock bottom as a single adult. Um, I was on vacation with my family. My sister had just gotten married, so we had all flown to where she was living, which is in Bogota, Colombia, South America, where I grew up. And afterwards, we all decided that since we were down here and we we're all together, let's all go have a vacation together. So my f- entire family, we all went to an island uh, off the coast of Colombia called San Andres, and we spent a week there. And um, I was like fired up because I'd just gotten my first job, first got my, got my first paycheck, and I finally was able to afford stuff. And I decided I was going to pay for my own hotel room. And I uh, went all out. I got a king-sized bed. I got like my own like, kind of like a little suite. And I was like, man, I'm like doing something with my life. Uh, even though my little sister got married, like I'm going places. And I felt like so grown up in that moment. I was like, I'm finally like kind of like branching out. And, uh, and that was like cool for like three days until my sister finished up her honeymoon and they ended up joining us at the resort. And what we found out, much to our horror, was that there were no available rooms for my sister and her new husband to stay in. And so we started like trying to figure out what to do. And you know what happened next. Because I was the only single adult, everybody started looking at me going, what are you going to do? In fact, I had one of my cousins come up and said, you know what, we really feel like you should give up your room and stay with us, which was horrific, right? I was like, what? On a couple levels. One, it was like, they were being generous with my stuff. Like, it's really easy to be generous with somebody else's stuff. And I was like, that just doesn't hit right, okay? That you're actually going to give away my room so that my sister can have a place to stay. And I want to do the right thing, too. And I get it. It's easier because I'm a single adult. But, man, this just hurts. And I didn't end up staying with my, uh, with my cousins. I ended up, like, moving in with my mom and dad. And I slept the rest of the week on vacation in a cot and not in the room that I bought for and paid for with my own money. And I remember feeling so weird about it. Like I was totally in my feelings. I didn't really know how to process it. And I think the thing that made it like most difficult was I felt like I was 10 again. Like I was like 27 on my own. And I felt like I just had like time warped back into a time where I was like a kid again. And my little sister was like the grown up. It was like this weird thing. And the reason why I'm telling you guys that story is we're talking about singleness tonight and we're talking about it in light of the gospel. We have a a biblical vision for singleness as people, but it's hard to do that because in the South and in most Christian circles, singles are treated like the JV, right? You can be like 45 years old, own your own business, live on your own, and, and they put you at the kid's table at Thanksgiving, right? It's like this thing where until you get married, you're not a grown-up. And tonight, I want to deconstruct that idea and say that that's not true and that that is not biblical. We have to reclaim a biblical vision for singleness because marriage can become an idol for many of us. We think that being married is peak humanity, and that is not true. And so tonight, speaking to a lot of us who are single in the room, I just want to tell you, you're not second best. If you don't hear anything else, God has a purpose for your life, and it is beyond simply getting married and having children. And this is hard for us to hear because 
over and over again. In church circles, they tell us that when we get married, we're finally going to be a part of the crew. When we got the ring, that's like our admittance into another like section of the church. And if we're going to be really honest about it, you may be feeling that weight tonight. You may be feeling like, man, I, I'm not fulfilled because I'm not married yet. And yet, many people um, will be single for longer than they thought. Some people will be single again. And if we want to be people who are faithful to the word of God, we have to reclaim a biblical vision for singleness. And so we're going to look at what Jesus says about singleness, because I don't know about you, I'm just going to go with the Son of God on this, okay? Like, it seems like he's got a good handle on truth. And so would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture, um, and uh, we're going to walk through what Jesus says about singleness tonight. Now it says this in verse 10, it says, His disciples, which are Jesus' disciples, said to him, If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry he responded, not everyone can accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who are made by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who's able to accept it should accept it. Now, our text uh, doesn't make sense without the context. So where is this this phrase, this, this like section of scripture found. So if you go back to the beginning, you find Jesus talking about marriage and divorce. And he's confronted by some of his enemies who are trying to trick him and, and, and discredit him. And so they start asking him, like, Jesus, when is it okay to divorce somebody? And Jesus doesn't enter into their conversation except to diffuse it and say, your hearts are hardened. That's the wrong question. You shouldn't be thinking about when you can get divorced. You should be looking to preserve marriage at all costs because marriage is a high calling. And then he starts talking about what really matters, which is a life that is dedicated to God and starts talking about singleness. And he uses this word eunuch. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word eunuch, we simply think about someone who isn't fully a man anymore. But the idea is much broader than that. In biblical terms, the idea of being a eunuch, especially in Jesus' day, meant that it was anyone who chose to abstain from being in a sexual relationship with somebody else for any reason at all. And so Jesus says there are some who are eunuchs because they were born that way. They cannot be in a relationship with somebody because of something that is physical from birth. Then he goes on to say there are some who were made eunuchs because of something that someone did to them. And in this time, some people were made eunuchs uh, for political reasons, so that people could have political power but not have any kind of control or any kind of line that they would, send, uh, that they would set up for themselves. There was no fear of them trying to make themselves king. And so often, key leaders in this culture were made eunuchs so they could have power but no uh, hope of being a king one day. But then Jesus says there's a third group of people who choose to abstain from being in marriage so that they can advance the kingdom of heaven. And he says, for those who are willing to hear this word, they should hear it. He puts this out as a challenge. Now, when it comes to people who choose to abstain from being in relationship, to be single, 
for the kingdom of heaven, there's usually two categories that we look at. The first are people that choose to be single for the kingdom of God for a vocation, for a lifetime. Often we think of these people are people who are priests or people who choose to be single to do ministry their entire life. But then there's another category of people who are single for a season, but during that season, they choose to be single for the glory of God, which hopefully is every single person in this room who's not currently married. That you're saying, this season of life is a season that I'm choosing to be single so that the kingdom of heaven can advance. And that's what I hope that we could walk away with tonight, is to have a vision for what it looks like to be somebody who says, I'm going to be single so that God's glory can increase on the earth through my life. Now, um, I want us to look at two key concepts that we find in this text that are, that are really controversial in Jesus' day and controversial today, now. And the first is this, is that singleness is good. Singleness is good. The reason I say it's controversial in Jesus' day is that in Jesus' day, there were rabbis who taught that if you were not married by the age of 20, you were sinning. Did you know that? And yet Jesus is in his 30s and he's a single adult. But there were rabbis who would teach, if you didn't get married by 20, you were forfeiting God's promise and his blessing on you because they believed that you had to pass down your family name and title to be a faithful Jewish man. And it was imperative for you to have children so that your name and your uh, land would stay in your family and it would not be given away to somebody else. And yet Jesus is a fully satisfied and complete person as a single adult. He completely turns that upside down because he has no indication that he wants to get married and he's in his 30s. The same thing is true for many of us. We've all been in conversations where people will pull us aside and say, why aren't you married yet? Have you had that conversation? Maybe grandma's like, when are you gonna get married? I remember having that conversation with people. They'd be like, well, why, what's wrong with you? Well, can't you? Don't you like girls? I was like, no, I like girls. I just haven't found the right one yet. And often it felt so weird because people were like asking you like personal questions and you're like, I don't know if I'm comfortable having that conversation with you. Like, it just hasn't happened yet. Please get off my back. But singleness, according to Jesus, is good. In fact, it's not just according to Jesus that singleness is good. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 38, says this. He says this after talking about singleness and marriage. He says, so then he who marries his fiance does well, but he who does not marry will do better. Like, think about that. That's crazy. Paul's like, it's better to be single. Which brings us to the idea of singleness as a gift. Like, what if we thought about singleness not as a curse or not as a, a moment that we try to get through till we find the one who will complete us? What if we thought about singleness as a gift from God? Now, some of us are thinking, okay, if singleness is a gift, can I re-gift it to somebody else? Like, can I give that thing back? You know, can I, can I be like my uncle, whenever I give him a gift, I know that it's going to come back to me the next year. Have you ever had that happen, right? Or you give a gift and somebody gives you that gift card to Waffle House that you gave them and you're like, man, I got that thing back. I didn't want it in the first place, right? And so like there are many of us who are like, man, if I, if I could have the option to return the gift of singleness or give it to somebody else, man, I would totally do that, right? And yet the Bible says, no, singleness is actually a good thing. So we must ask the question, why? Why is 
it a good thing. And what we find in the Bible is the reason why singleness is good is because singleness is an opportunity. Singleness is an opportunity. Let's press into what Paul says about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look with me in verse 32. It's on the screen. Paul says this. He says, I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint up on you, but to promote what is proper so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. Paul's like, hey, listen, here's the deal. Being married is cool, but it is distracting. And I want you to be free from distractions. Um, when I was single, uh, I, I would pray that Jesus would wait to return until I got married. Like there was this thing called the rapture uh, that my parents taught me, which basically was like Jesus is gonna come back at an unknown moment and just like come and we'd all just be like zapped out. And I was like, Lord, okay, I believe that you're coming again. I believe it. But like, could you just let me get married first? I don't know if, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands if anybody's ever prayed that prayer in this room, but I prayed it because I was terrified I was gonna miss out on being married. I was like, please, Lord. And so anytime, uh, like, I, I thought that the rapture happened because that happened a couple times where, like, all of a sudden, like, got real quiet and everybody left without telling me. And I was like, where is everybody? And then I'd go, oh, no, maybe, maybe he came. And I got left behind. I didn't get married. And I was like, you know, started going through, like, a panic attack. And so I looked for people that I knew that were Christians. Be like, hey, are you still here? Right? Um, <laughs> if you grew up in Christian subculture, you know what I'm talking about, right? Or if you watch The Leftovers on HBO, you know what I'm talking about. But like, here's the deal. I would pray regularly, like, God, please let me get married. And, and this is the thing. Like, the Bible says that when you get married, you are distracted. And I'm just gonna be honest. Like, I love being married. I'm married to Tabitha. We've been married 14 years. We made it. This far, and I love her with all my heart. And we have four kids. And let me just tell you, it's work, okay? It's not, it's not just like, hey, this is the easiest thing ever. Like, we have to work at dating each other. We have to work at raising our kids. We have to work at not just being roommates or teammates. We have to work at being people who are in love with one another. We have to work at it. We have to have dates. I have to pursue my wife. It's a lot, and I love all of it. But, he, but I do know this, is that when I was single, I didn't have to think about any of it. I didn't have to think about like remodeling bathrooms. I didn't have to think about like what drapes we had. I didn't have to think about making my bed. I never did. I, I literally was just like, when's the next meal? And when can I hang out with my friends? And whenever I was invited to go do something, my answer was always yes. You wanna watch a movie? Yes. You wanna go hang out? Yes. You wanna watch football all day? Yes. Now it's like, I gotta ask my wife to make sure she says that's cool. <laughs> Literally. Like we had a, a meeting to plan our schedule for the next six months because like it's hard to keep all the schedules straight. And there's nothing worse than like double booking yourself as a couple. Like I'm talking about marriage conflict 101. It's like make sure that your calendars align, share an iCal like calendar together. Like that's like literally 
half of the battle. And when I was a single adult, guys, I was able to say yes to God in ways that I can't right now. Why? Because when I said, I want to marry you, and I said, I do, I made a commitment to make my family my first ministry. And I made a commitment when I had kids that I wanted to raise them up to know and love the Lord. And even though I'm in ministry full time and I'm a pastor, and I hope that every single one of you falls in love with Jesus, falls in love with somebody, has an awesome life, gives your life away for the gospel, I also know that, that in my level, in my, my, my priority list, my kids take precedent over every single one of you guys. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Because I know one thing for sure is I want my kids to know Jesus. And so I've had to say no a lot instead of saying yes a lot. So I get some awesome opportunities in front of me. I got asked to go wakeboarding tomorrow with my friends. And I love wakeboarding. If I had a boat, like my life would be like maybe 50% like more happy than it is right now. Like I love being on the water. Guess what I said? I said no. Why? Because I want to be home for dinner. And I went wakeboarding last week. And I can't do it two weeks in a row or my wife will get mad. <laughs> All right? She'll be like, you're having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun with four kids, but it's not the same kind of fun, right? I had to say no to go to Israel the other uh, week. I had a free trip to go to Israel for two weeks. Guess what? I couldn't go. Why? Because it was around my daughter's birthday. Guess who doesn't want to be the guy who's like in therapy with his daughter in 20 years going, you went to Israel on my birthday and I resented you. It was like, not me. I don't want to be that guy. So I didn't do that. We just added another baby. We just adopted a little boy named Josiah. Love him. But let, let me tell you what, like I was looking forward to the fact that my, my third child, who used to be my youngest child, Georgia, was going to kindergarten this year and I was gonna get my Fridays back to be able to do whatever I wanted to do. But no, I'm back to watching my son on Fridays. Why? Because I said yes to him, which means I had to say no to a lot of other opportunities. And that's where the distraction comes. And so when it comes to saying yes to God, being single is probably your superpower. And you can do so much for God when you're single. That's what Paul is saying. And so here's my word to you tonight. If you don't hear anything else, don't waste your singleness. Don't waste it. God has given you a moment in time to be single. You may get married someday. You may be single again at some point. Hopefully never. Hopefully you'll you're still be like the notebook. You'll like both die at the same time, right? But, but likely, likely at some point you'll be single again. So don't waste your singleness. Why? Because God can use it for his glory in ways that married people can't. And we need to elevate both singleness and marriage. They're both great. And you can glorify God in both. It just looks different. And looking back at my story, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself one single thing. And that's this. Don't spend so much time thinking about what's next. Think about what's now. Don't think about what's next. Like, I can't wait till I'm married. Think about what's now, what's right in front of you. Because here's the thing that you need to know about that little matrix right there. Think about what's next, not what's now. Is that it never stops. <laughs> the minute you get engaged, people are like, when's the wedding? Get married. They're like, when are you having a kid? 
Like immediately the pressure doesn't just stop. It just gets like put on you. When you have a kid, you're like, well, I don't know. We just got married. So then you feel the pressure. You have to have a kid. And then you can't get pregnant. And then you're like, start like freaking out. We had infertility for a while. We couldn't figure out why we weren't getting pregnant. And we just felt so much stress. Finally got pregnant. Immediately, when you're having the next one, we're like, we just had a kid. Get off my back for just a minute. Then I know the kid. Then they're like, well, when are you, what are you going to do when they go to college? We're like, well, listen, like they're five. You know, like there's going to be a long time between now and then. But you start thinking about all the things you're going to do next. And then you start translating it to your job. Like, I'm doing this, but what's next? And you don't look at what's now. And then you get to the end of your life. And you spent so much time thinking about the next thing that your life was not fully lived in the moment. So I really believe that one of the best things you can do is to have a philosophy where you want to be fully present where you are, to have a great season of being someone who's a college student, to have a great season of being someone who's a single adult, to have a great season of being married if that's what God has for you, to be a great, have a great season of being a young family, to have a great season of being an older adult, to have a great season wherever God has you, and to be fully present. If I would go back and tell myself as a single adult one thing, it literally would be like, stop stressing so much and see what God has in front of you and pursue it with all your heart. I don't know if I ever did that fully well. I don't know if I'm doing it fully well right now, but I do remember at one point, it kind of like getting through my head that I was missing life. And I'd stop saying, stop saying, well, when I'm older, I'm gonna do that. When I'm gonna, when I have it figured out, I'm gonna do that. And I started saying, I'm just gonna walk in whatever God has for me. So I started saying yes. I remember seeing the tsunami in 2004. I was a single adult, saw the, saw the devastation. I said, God, if you want me to go, my answer is yes. I don't have any money. I'm broke, but I will go help clean up on the other side of the world if you'll send me. The next day, I had a friend call and said, my wife wants to go. She's in her 60s. She can't go by herself. Will you take her? I'll pay for both your flights. I was like, okay. So I threw it out to the rest of our friends. We had like 10 people pack up, go to Banda Aceh and clean up after the tsunami in a, in a town that had like 90% of the people wiped out in about 30 seconds. We dug out wells, we cleaned that up, came home. I said, okay, God, that was cool. What's next? My, my yes is on the table. Katrina happened. I said, oh, we're gonna lead a team. I led a team. We went, cleaned up. That got done. I said, God, what's next? Somebody invited me to go on a mission trip to Israel. I said, well, I don't have to ask anybody for permission. I'm gonna go do that. I went and preached the gospel at a Passover camp with a bunch of young people from all around Israel who were the only believers in their town. Got to invest in them. And I just said, God, I'm ready to do What's next? What's next? What was next was planning a church, but I was single. Again, I was like, I'm single. Like, who's going to follow a single pastor? But I said, God, I'm not going to keep looking at what's next. I'm just going to look at what you have in front of me right now. I'm just going to step into it. You know what was crazy? As I said yes, God brought me my wife. I've been looking for somebody to go with me to the ends of the earth. I was like, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go, God. I'm willing to go, I'm willing to go to like Africa or Indonesia or uh, Israel. Like I'm willing to go anywhere. And so every time I'd meet somebody who was from a place around the world, I'd be like, hey, maybe you're the one because like maybe we can do this together. But it wasn't until I stopped looking at what God could do until what he was putting right in front of me that God actually brought the right girl with me. And guess what? She's from Middle Tennessee, which is where we were planted 
And so my invitation to you is to stop thinking about what God may do and look at what he's doing right in front of you. Focus on what's now. Because singleness is a sign. Singleness is a sign. What I mean by that is like when you fully press into who God has made you to be as a single adult, you preach a better word to everybody who's around you. You preach to the world, to your friends, to your community, the people you see, is that you value Jesus more than you value a relationship or a feeling or intimacy. Because every single one of those things, whether it's sex or money or status or a family, all those things, although they're good, they're only a reflection of what is coming for us in the next life. And when you say Jesus is more important to me than any of that, you step into something new and better. And you find that Jesus gives you what you need in the moment. So really practical, as we kind of like kind of wrap up, like what do we do as single adults? Like how do we step into this? The first one is, I would say this, invest in people. That's it. Invest in people. If you're a single adult in this room or you're a married adult, you can take the advice too. But like period for single adults, you have more time to invest in people right now than you will have at any other point in your life. So get roommates. Pick some great roommates. Invest in them. Disciple somebody. Get discipled. Use this time for the glory of God. Invest in people. Here's, here's the thing. When you are a single adult, you have more time for relationships than when you are married. Okay, And you will never have an opportunity to make best friends than right now. And these friends that you're making right now at Kairos, at this ministry, or at school, or uh, in, your, in your roommate situation, hopefully it's a good one. Uh, bad roommate situations go south really fast, right? But hopefully they're good. When you're investing in those relationships, those relationships will carry you through the next chapter of your life. Because it's hard to spend that the relational and time capital in people when you're going to be in the next stage, whatever it is whether you get promoted in your business and you stay as a single adult or you, you, you get married, it's just harder the older you are. In fact, that's why they say Jesus' greatest miracle is that he had 12 friends as an adult male because it's hard out there to make friendships. So invest in people. Second, second, my second inv uh, invitation to you is to pour your heart out for Jesus. So so. So pursue him. Spend time with Jesus every day. Spend time studying the scriptures. Lay down a pattern of being someone who, who spends time with the Lord because it's never gonna get easier than right now. Even though you're staying out late or you're doing other stuff or you're busy. Listen, the minute you commit to having kids, you're also committing to never get up later than six o'clock. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like you're never, like you're basically like committing the rest of your life. I'm never getting up past six. I slept to seven on Saturday and I felt decadent. Like I felt like I had slept into like one in the afternoon. I was like, oh my gosh, I just feel groggy. I overslept. Why? Because I've been getting up between five and 6 a.m. for the last 12 years because your kids will find you, okay? They just find you. The minute you try to like sneak away, it doesn't matter if you're going to the bathroom, they will find you. Like they just want to find you. And it's great and glorious, but let me just tell you, you'll never sleep in again. 
So this is an opportunity to have those hour-long quiet times, to spend time with the Lord. Like I used to be like, man, I'd get up in my Bible and I'd read for an hour and I'd pray and I'd listen to worship music. Now it's like, uh-huh, as I'm scrolling through the app. Like, hey, stop, stop being on my arm while I'm like writing it in my journal. It's just tougher. And you can grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus in this moment than any other in your life. So singleness is a gift. Don't waste it. Now that gift may be for a season. It may be for longer but in the middle of it, just know this. Jesus knows what it feels like to be single. And he promises that he will walk with you. And at Kairos, we want to be a place where whether you're married or single, you find community and hope and life because we are for you. So don't waste your singleness. I believe that Kairos can be the place that has the greatest impact in the city because we have a disproportionate amount of single adults that come here. And I believe that one of the things we can do through this community is we can set the city on fire for Jesus if we just say yes. And it's not me telling you what the yes is. It's simply you saying, my yes is on the table. I wanna go as hard after Jesus as I can because I have the resources for the gospel. In fact, the people who made the biggest difference in the New Testament were all single adults. Let me just read you some of them, okay? You've got Jesus, we'll start there, right? Apostle Paul, Timothy, Titus, uh, Tabitha. She was so beloved that when she died, they're like, can we bring her back, right? Got Mary, the mother of Jesus, single when she first was called, then single after, because Joseph died. Got Barnabas, the list goes on and on. Lydia, I mean, I mean, literally, you can make a list of who's who in the Bible, single adults. You can do that contemporary days, too. You got Mother Teresa, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, again, over and over and over again. People who say, I want to be used by God. I'm going to use this season. I'm not looking at what's next, but what's now. And now the turn is, is your turn. What can God do in you? So, I'm gonna close this out with 120 seconds. I'm gonna invite the band up. And uh, we do this around here. 120 seconds is simply a time where we just say, you know what? Let's pause before we like sing and go and like hang out with people. And we just wanna sit in this moment and just let the spirit of God speak to us. Because what matters most is not like how eloquent I am or like how good our band is. What matters is the spirit of God that he would speak. And so we just want to make space for Jesus to say something to us. And so I, I, I'm going to leave you with this question. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to leave you with this question. The question is this. How am I seeing singleness? Am I seeing it as a curse, as a burden? Or am I seeing it as a gift from God for this season? God is going to use it if I trust him with it. For those who are married, maybe there's some repentance. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I've treated some single adults like they're not my equal and I need to not do that anymore. I need to make space for them in my life. For you single adults, this is the moment to kind of say yes to the Lord. What is it that he wants from me? But before we enter into that moment of reflection, I just want to pray over us to kick it off. Jesus, I know that you understand what it feels like to be single. Jesus, I know what it, that, you, that you know what it feels like to be alone. I know that you 
know what it feels like to be someone who's waiting. Um, but Jesus, I pray that in the season that every single one of these young adults are in, I, I pray that they feel seen. I pray that they would feel loved. I pray that they would feel your presence. And God, I pray that you would give us a measure of your spirit unlike anything we've experienced before. Jesus, when we say spirit fall on us, you're all we want, that it would not just simply be a word that we say, but it would be the desire of our heart. And I pray that you would come among us here and now and that we would feel your presence and your delight in us that it is not dependent on if we're in a relationship or not it does not depend on how good we are or how successful we are or how good looking we are or how connected we are or even how we feel about ourselves you look upon us and you say, you are beloved because I have chosen you to be mine. So would you just press that upon us tonight? It's in your name, Jesus.